1: I don't know what that means.
4: It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network.
1: For kids. (laughs)
4: Download the Zigazoo app
5: today.
0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And this week we're talking about themes on friendship. And last on the podcast, we talked about shine theory and success and competition in women's friendships. And now we're going to switch our focus to the gay best friend, both the trope and also these actual relationships between straight women and gay men and other kinds of cross sex and cross orientation friendships.
5: Yeah, it's been super interesting looking at these sources and just charting the evolution of not only the perception of gay people in our country, And what that meant for friendships at the time. But then seeing how they are now. When you, when you look at shows like Will and Grace or Sex and the City and how the leading ladies had their gay friends who were almost treated like pets. They were completely sexually neutered and expected to just be accessories. And then you move forward in time and look at a show like Girls where Hannah and Elijah are super BFF. Granted, they did date back in the day. But it, it's, it is very interesting to look at how this has evolved as the
1: perception of gay people in America has evolved as well. Well, and when it comes to sort of a, a pop cultural timeline of it, the late 90s is when this gay best friend trope really <laughs> sunk its claws into film and television, starting in 1997 with My Best Friend's Wedding. Mm -hmm. I remember watching My Best Friend's Wedding when I was a younger girl. I don't know how old I was, but I was old enough to look at Rupert Everett and be like, I screw that straight guy, Julia Roberts. (laughs) Can you I I really wanted Rupert Everett and Julia Roberts at the end of the film to leave the wedding and then make a life together (laughs) Cause he, he just Who's to say they didn't? I know. It just wouldn't be that kind of life that you were hoping they would have. An unconventional life, yes. But to be near him, A-OK. And then the following year, in 98, you have the premiere of not only Will and Grace... Also Sex in the City, as well as The Object of My Affection, starring Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd, who plays the gay best friend in that one. And yes, I've also seen that movie. Apparently, I really enjoy these (laughs) kinds of films. And that's almost become its own mini genre of the straight, single or recently broken up with straight girl pining away for her male gay best friend because then in 2000 you also have the next best thing which is a similar kind of setup
5: and thomas rogers over at salon did point out that will and grace had many positive effects for him as a gay man coming out during that era and also for many other gay men who were kind of looking around at How to be? How do I act? What do I do? And so Will and Grace had the benefit of being like, hey, you can be accepted by people in society and not be shamed. But the downside, he was saying, was that, like I pointed out earlier, the gay characters in that show were totally neutered. hes I think he said they were as sexual as a pastel cardigan. And the friendship has become a trope, essentially.
1: But I did think it was interesting when a few seasons in, they bring in this sexy young boyfriend Mm -hmm. for him, which maybe, I don't know, maybe was their effort to make him into more of a a human person who an has, actual
5: like three dimensional yeah,
1: formed human who is desirable. But that was the whole the whole joke, too, of like, this guy's going for Stanford. Yeah. How is that possible? But anyway, uh, the, this whole trope, though, even though it seemed to blossom in the 90s, the late 90s, it's been around for a long time. Just that very basic assumption that straight women and gay men are essentially made for each other. And this also jumped out to me when I was researching for this podcast, and I was uh, on the side reading Caitlin Moran's How to Be a Woman, and she writes at one point, At 18, I'm discovering what generations of women have long known, that the natural ally of a straight woman is the gay man, because they are other, losers too. Which, I mean, that kind of sums up our assumptions about this relationship.
5: Yeah, they are both outside the norm and the dominant social construct being, you know, the white man, the white straight man. Um, Well, we found some interesting points about the origins of what would become this this major trope in this paper called Fast Friends and Queer Couples. Relationships between gay men and straight women in North American popular culture from 1959 to 2000 by James Allen. And Alan points out that since the late 19th century, a lot of researchers have seen commonalities, as we just said, between gay men and straight women in terms of being the other. So when did these relationships really start to pop up on screen? Well, in the late 1950s, we get the weakening of the Hayes Code. Now, the Hayes Code preceded, like, the rating system for movies, which is, like, rated R, rated PG. It was basically a set of moral guidelines for the film industry that was in effect from 1930 to 1968. But when it started to majorly weaken in the 50s, Hollywood began showing these relationships between straight women and openly gay men more prominently on screen.
1: And if they weren't openly gay, they were kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge gay. Right. They're always like the the interior designer man-friend who can be playful with this woman who has a boyfriend and her boyfriend won't get upset. Um, and Alan... Categorizes these kinds of relationships into mother and son, the perfect couples, kind of like Will and Grace, and also the gals and pals, which is a little more Carrie Bradshaw and Stanford Blatch. But they've always been so steeped in stereotypes because underlying a lot of this historically are bigoted assumptions that gay men secretly want to be women, that they identify more with the female experience and that women who associate with gay men Simply aren't sexy enough to get straight men to fall in love with them, find them attractive, and that they derive their self-esteem from gay men's compliments. So, I mean, th- th- this, this trope has a lot of
5: baggage. It has a lot of negative things to say about everyone involved, basically.
1: Yeah, and and I want to clarify that we're talking about the trope. We're not talking about these actual relationships that do exist in the real world off-screen between gay men and straight women.
5: But, I mean, speaking of that, let's dive into those real, actual human relationships and find out what researchers say. Because I mean, obviously, yes, these friendships do exist. They do happen. They're not just a pop culture television phenomenon. And Research supports that these cross-sex and cross-orientation friendships do happen
1: from a young age. Yeah, there was a paper published in Social Science Research in 2010 called Patterns of Cross-Orientation Friendships in High School. And it confirmed that among all gender combinations in cross-friendships, in other words, boy-girl friendships, quote, those between straight females and sexual minority males, which is perhaps the most clinical way of saying uh, gay guys, have received a great amount of attention in previous research. The scholarly interests perhaps reflect the high rate of friendships in the gender combination. And they point to a 2002 study which found that gay boys tend to have more female friends than straight boys, although lesbians, younger lesbians, do not necessarily have more male friends than straight females do. And we'll come back to that in a minute because that was a big question in our research of well, we have all this focus on this cross sex, cross gender, gay men, straight women, but what about like gay women and straight guys and straight guys and gay guys? What about all the other combinations?
5: Right. And so they point out that these sexual minority students, so to speak, seem to be largely cut off from one another at school. They're not only small numbers, but there's also a concerted effort to reduce visibility. I mean, middle school is hard enough, you know, without feeling like you're about to be bullied because you are of that sexual minority, as they talk about. And, Kristen, you mentioned all of the different basically combinations of these different friendships. And they also found that that straight girls are more likely to have cross orientation, cross sexual orientation friendships than straight boys are. And so if we look to another study, which is called beyond similarities, cross gender and cross orientation, best friendship and a sample of sexual minority and heterosexual young adults in the journal sex roles in 2014, they also pointed to the differences in straight girls, friendships and straight boys, friendships with people of cross orientations. And so they found that gay men reported more cross-gender friendships than lesbians did, while straight girls reported a higher percentage of cross-gender best friendships than straight boys did. So it's basically confirming what the previous study found.
1: So, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, girls are just likelier to have strong friendships with gay boys, and boys are likelier to have strong friendships with girls,
5: Right. yeah I mean, it seems like straight boys are friends with straight boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of. There is that, and, that isolation. And yeah, as we'll talk about, like, you know, the stereotype, lesbians are gonna be friends with lesbians, straight boys
1: are friends with straight boys, and then gay boys are friends and with, then, and then there's the rest of us. <laughs> right. And we mix and mingle. And I will say that that pattern was very much reflected in my high school. I mean, I, I had a pretty small graduating class, so it was easy to see, and there was only one uh, out gay guy in our class, and he only really hung out with girls. I mean, Mm -hmm. he would hang out with the guys sometimes but they were merciless. Yeah, it was the
5: same. Him. Yeah, it was the same in my high school. I had a gay friend who actually got chased out of school by the popular boys. It, it was just it was just a sad unfortunate situation because he was part of the popular boy group. They found out he was gay, they bullied him until he left school, but up until then, he, while he had been part of that group, the core of his friend group had been girls. And so it was horrible to see that the one boy who was able to try to come out. Just, it was, he was not successful.
1: And while I have a feeling that for people who are in high school today, that kind of outright bigotry and homophobia is not as bad as it used to be, even when you and I were in high school not so long ago. But this study, I mean, is from 2014, supports Mm -hmm. that those kinds of patterns still exist, which is interesting. And one thing that Further studies have suggested at, is that these friendships between gay men and straight women are also mutually beneficial. And this was something that Thomas Rogers was pointing out over at Salon, speaking more to in this instance of uh, gay straight friendships in more of the, the pre Stonewall era saying, quote, men got the appearance of heterosexual legitimacy and intimacy free of sexual tension. Women got a touch of glamour and performance and exoticism. And so when it comes to that glamour and performance and exoticism and the, this this mutually beneficial relationship, supposedly, this was something that a study published in the journal Body Image looked into in 2009. A study titled The Relation Between Women's Body Esteem and Friendships with Gay Men. And its results supported the hypothesis that women's body esteem, specifically feelings of sexual attractiveness, was positively associated with friendships with gay men. But... Correlation causation, not clarified. Right. As Jesse Baring over at Scientific American
5: pointed out, there was absolutely no link between a woman's relationship status, the number of times she'd been on the receiving end of a breakup, or her body esteem and the number of gay male friends in her life. Still... The longer that a woman has been friends with her closest gay male friend they found, the lower her perceived sexual attractiveness. But this is, I mean, again, this is all correlation. Because also you could think, and this is the first thing I thought, well, like, okay, the longer a woman has been friends with someone, the lower her esteem, body esteem. Well, like, also that means you're getting older, which means that you might naturally feel bad about things that are sagging. I don't know. exactly.
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that is why it is so important to... Read studies when you can, because I mean, it's yeah, especially in the case of this, it's like who who knows if the reason why they felt greater sexual self-esteem was just because they had a circle of gay men all just like doling out compliments all day long. Yeah. Um But one study, though, in 2010, published in the journal Evolutionary Psychology, essentially went viral when it came out. Um, its uh, title is Friends with Benefits, but without the sex, straight women and gay men exchange trusted dating advice. And it suggests that these relationships flourish because there is no sexual threat. So that's good for straight women. We can have these relationships with these men who do not want to have sex with us, and mm-hmm. so that makes life so much easier. And meanwhile... Straight women offer the benefit of possibly providing access to other gay men for their gay friends to meet and also swapping as the study title implies or what it does it imply. As the study title states, we can swap dating advice because we're all we're all going for men. So we're all, you know, but not the same men. So we're not in competition. There's no sexual threat. There's no competition. I mean, what more perfect relationship could you Get
5: Right. Basically that we both love getting dating advice from each other because there are no ulterior motives. You can get a male perspective without any sort of bias. You know, you can get a male perspective, but he's not trying to date you and keep you from the other man that you like. Yeah. And and vice versa. And he
1: wouldn't be able to try to date the straight guy that you're going for. Exactly. But there were also some experimental limitations with this study design as well, because essentially the way they set it up was through, um, Facebook profile setting up these face, fake Facebook profiles for, I think it was uh, an obviously straight guy, a obviously gay guy, and an obviously straight woman. And they set up this scenario of having to go to a party and you don't know anyone. So who of these three people in these fake Facebook profiles would you like to go to this party with the most? And women were like, the gay guy. And then they did the same thing for Mm -hmm. the gay men. Um, So it's not I would be more curious to get a little more real world Mm -hmm. interaction. Well, so
5: obviously what, what this is showing us is that there are a lot of benefits for these for the people in these relationships and that the pop culture phenomenon that is the gay best friend is based in something real that actually happens but not all of these relationships are always super healthy. And we're gonna get into that when we come right back from a quick break.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico.
4: Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
1: And now, back to the show. So in the first half of the show, we established the fact that, yes, indeed, gay men and straight women, (laughs) uh, as you and I can both personally attest, do exist. And there have been studies on these relationships because they seem to fascinate us endlessly. I think because... I mean, people are constantly puzzling over this question of can men and women be friends? Mm -hmm. And this is the one cut and dried situation where it's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because (laughs) there is none of that sexual tension. Right. And then when it comes to female, female friendships, there's a question of competition and jealousy. If you're both going for the same guy, unless, of course, she's a lesbian. Where are the lesbians? We'll get to them.
5: (laughs) But yeah, and before we talk about the different combinations of all of these friendships and the dynamics and what they mean and are they positive, we do have to talk about some of the downsides of the stereotypical gay man, straight woman relationship. For instance, the idea that straight women get to use gay men as this accessory, this arm candy, this this party favor to feel better about themselves, exercising
1: a lot of privilege along the way. Yeah, and this is more speaking to these relationships as reflected in pop culture and to almost that trope extent. It's something, for instance, that comes up a lot on shows like Real Housewives, Mm -hmm. where you have the rich woman who loves to trot out her quote-unquote gay husband because he's so cute and fun and her husband doesn't pay attention to her anyway. So, thankfully, there's this one guy and Thomas Rogers, who we've cited a number of times now, uh, wrote all about this in Salon. It, it, the headline of his piece being, I'm Not Your Gay Boyfriend. He said, quote, it feels like she's throwing around a designer label or telling me she knows a celebrity, a kind of social conspicuous consumption. So there, there is uh, some troubling factor that can exist in that more in its portrayal, I think, on television rather than these. um Well, and and I'm sure sometimes in real life off screen as well, because people are emulating those kinds of statusy relationships. Right. But, you know, I mean, it's a two way street if we're talking about using each other
5: and having privilege, because he also talks about gay men getting to use their straight female friends as their own accessories, then exercising their own privilege. But this time, male privilege to the point
1: of outright misogyny. Yeah, this was something that Yolo Akili wrote about over the Good Men Project and got a lot of conversation started about this question of gay male privilege, which might sound like it cannot possibly exist. Well, in the way Yolo wrote about it, quote, the unique way our entitlement to women's physical bodies plays itself out is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to gay cisgender men's sexism and privilege and goes on to talk about how, In a class he was leading, he was asking students, uh, female students, whether they had ever been touched by a gay guy, like non-consensually. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them raised their hands and a lot had stories about, say, going out one night and having their breasts grabbed or the infamous incident on the red carpet in 2010 when Scarlett Johansson was uh, talking to Isaac Mizrahi on the red carpet at the Oscars and He grabbed her breast and she was not happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine a scenario when she
5: would be. But that whole thing has to do with the idea that gay men, you know, aren't real men. The societal perception of gay men being, again, totally neutered and safe. And so it's not assault. It's not it's not offensive to have your personal self, your physical self grabbed by someone else because it's just a gay guy. And Akili was talking about how a lot of gay men see it as their right to somehow be able to grope or offer advice on women's bodies like women's bodies are just an unfinished painting that they can come in and critique and give advice on.
1: And I have a feeling, too, that. This also is a two-way street in the sense of uh, there are gay men who don't really appreciate it when a pack of drunk straight women walk into gay bars and want to take over and be the centers of attention and grab their butts mm-hmm. and their crotches as well. So, I mean, it becomes a complicated sort of dynamic, which I attribute to these, this This portrayal of this kind of neutered toy for straight women to play with, when in fact, I mean, in real life, there are such strong and powerful and intimate and important relationships between, between gay men and straight women. There is, however, also these other factors that we need to confront, too, even though I mean, I'm personally kind of seizing up a little bit because it's a little uncomfortable to talk about, frankly.
5: Yeah, and Rowan Gua over at Jezebel did an incredible job talking about it. I mean, he wrote this incredibly long, detailed, very personal piece about his life as a gay man and his relationship with both other gay men and with straight women and the fact that he basically no longer refers to himself as a gay man, that he calls himself queer because he says that the term gay is way too loaded now, that a gay man is like Will on Will and Grace or like someone who's older with a ton of privilege and he's wealthy and he has all these material needs and desires and obsessions, whereas the queer guy isn't the one, in his assessment, who's going to go out and grab women's boobs and give them all makeovers. But basically, he talks about kind of the same stuff that Thomas Rogers at Salon did, that for young men looking for role models, looking for an example of how to come out and how to be yourself. Really, the examples you have are from pop culture. And so then he gets in from there to points about his perceived experiences with what he perceives to be misogyny that exists between uh, gay men in his life and straight women in his life, and that he feels like many of his female friends have been made to feel unwelcome in his own culture, what he calls his own culture, and says that, hey, guys, we need to empathize with women, not just use them as. As props as
1: arm candy at parties, that we're all humans. Let's start treating each other like it. Oh, and and vice versa, again too. I mean just even even using remember that at least to me, in my perspective, and I'm going out on a limb and, and inserting my own opinion here. I I think that uh people should at this point before gay marriage is legal in the US, maybe think twice about what a privilegy, insulting kind of statement it is to call someone your gay husband. You know, if that person doesn't have the right to marry and get his own husband, I think that's uh maybe I'm maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill.
5: Well, yeah, but basically I yeah, and I mean going off of what Rohan was writing in terms of empathizing and hey, gay guys, don't treat women like props. I mean, absolutely it goes both ways. None of us should be treating anyone like props. None of us should be leaning so heavily on our privilege that we treat another human being like a pet or a prop or some kind of arm candy accessory.
1: Well, and isn't it fascinating, too, And that w- these kinds of conversations are coming up right now when we have had a lot of progress in terms of gay visibility, mm-hmm. LGBTQ rights and recognition as well as a lot of resurgence in terms of uh, women's rights, gender equality. It's interesting that before all of that, when both women and gay men were sort of shoved off into the corner, they mm-hmm. were the others, as uh, Callan Moran put it, we were considered because of that natural allies. Mm-hmm. But now as both groups are coming into more rights and recognition and equality on their own, we're now having to... Take a closer look at some of the skeletons, perhaps in this friendship closet. Well,
5: sure, because both straight women and gay men are hitting points where they're feeling empowered enough to step up and say, "Hey, I am not a prop. Yeah, I'm not just Jack from Will and Grace, or I'm not just Karen from Will and Grace. No, but I love Karen as much as those characters are great fictional television characters. Plenty of people now are stepping up to be like, can we perceive or depict anyone as like a real human?
1: Yeah, that would be that would be wonderful. And one thing I would like to see more of, too, and and there is a little bit more of this on TV and film, but more exploration of other cross-sex and cross-orientation friendships. What about The gay men, straight men friendships that are, have historically just been hampered by homophobia, but knowing some of, I I know some guys who are, you know, gay, straight, guy friends, and they're wonderful relationships to watch.
5: Yeah, um, but unfortunately, <laughs> and this is coming from a New York Times story in 2009, uh, they talk about Jamie Price, who's an Appalachian State University professor who studied 46 pairs of straight and gay male friends for her book. And while that's a lot of pairs, she concluded that just 13 of them could truly be called close friends, often because of the barrier that straight men would put up because they're not so willing to hear or want to hear about their gay friend's
1: personal life slash, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sex life. But I wonder, though, that was in 2009, not so long ago, but it feels like so Mm -hmm. long ago in terms of where we are as a culture with homophobia, but maybe I'm also looking at the world through rainbow-colored glasses. <laughs> um, the New York Times also interviewed Professor Rich C. Sabin-Williams, who's a professor of developmental psychology at Cornell, who talked about how in a similar way that uh, straight women might be drawn to friendships with gay men because we can get dating advice and maybe talk about things we can't talk about to straight guys. Um, Savin Williams says that straight men also feel like they can talk to gay men about fashion and ask them if they're looking okay and talk about more emotional relationship issues, which made me think, oh my God, are straight people just always looking for a sassy A sassy friend because they can't communicate
0: with each other.
5: So is this just another version of the shine theory? Like, instead of like, hey, women, position yourself next to powerful ladies that can help you along in your career. Is this just like, hey straight people, position yourself next to a gay man so that you can get advice whenever you want. Yeah.
1: Do you not like talking to your straight partner? Well, do we have a sassy friend for you? <laughs> it's
5: it's exhausting. But the whole gay straight bromance thing does seem to be becoming at least a little more visible. Um, Writing uh, in Gawker, Brian Moylan talks about how <laughs> There should be a contract for friendships between straight guys and gay guys. Like, hey, talk about your sex life. Talk about your romantic life. But can we both agree that neither one of you will go into much detail? Because you don't want to hear about penises and you don't want to hear about vaginas. So let's just kind of give the general gist of things and bond that way, but not get into the nitty gritty.
1: Yeah. And also, of course, the assumption, like accepting that, hey, your gay friend doesn't necessarily want to have sex with you. Your gay friend is not just flirting with you and playing a long game to try to get you to bat for the other team. Sure. But I mean, but there is the reality, too, that just like in
5: straight man, straight woman relationships where the guy is maybe holding a candle for the girl and the girl's not aware of it. I mean, it's not like that doesn't happen, but you can't go into every friendship thinking like, is he just trying to get me into bed? <laughs>
1: Is that your? Is that your uh, Blanche Devereaux? Oh. Is that what she's wondering? Absolutely, in her in one of her nightgowns. Yeah, and the answer is yes. Blanche. Yes, yes it is. Okay. Well, and and another thing, Moylan uh, requests as well with this gay straight bromance contract is uh, no jokes about effeminacy and homophobic nonsense, which is just a good rule of thumb in general. Right. Oh man, whenever whenever I still hear it's 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 like nails on a chalkboard when you hear those kinds of jokes. Today, especially because it's like, seriously, you're making that you realize how unfunny that is. Yeah. Really so foolish. Yeah. You sound. Um, but I do think I mean, I, I think that these relationships are becoming more normalized and it's been a byproduct of just the uh, generalized embrace of the bromance, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I am all for guy friendships because they are adorable. Well, yeah, and they're necessary. They're so necessary. Uh, we've talked about the
5: health benefits of having very close friends before, so we won't get into all that. But let's talk about another cross-sex, cross-orientation friendship dynamic here.
1: Where are the straight men and the lesbians in this conversation? Yes, uh, there is actually a term called lesbros. No, we did not coin it. Um, there was an article about this not too long ago, in Details Magazine, so grain of salt, uh, but all about this lesbro person who um, essentially, to me, read like the gay version of Gillian Flynn's Cool Girl in Mm -hmm. Gone Girl because the way that that this author was pitching, straight guys, you need to become friends with lesbians, which, sure, I think that's totally fine. Yeah, make make friends with lesbians, absolutely. But the benefits were dudes. She, they love to watch football. You can go to strip clubs. You can go out to have beers, and your girlfriend won't mind because <laughs> she'll find out that you're with a lesbian. She won't care, guys. And I... <laughs> that was... I'm just mocking the overall tone of this article.
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, but just like with any friendship, you've got to worry about some potential sexual tension because I mean, just think about chasing Amy.
1: Oh, Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy was one of the worst. I mean, Chasing Amy just put a nail in the coffin of straight men and lesbian relationships because it it lit a candle for some, for some fellows out there, yeah, for some Ben Affleck. The idea that you're
5: going to turn a woman so that she just hasn't met the right guy yet. She hasn't met the right penis yet. As soon as she meets this penis, she'll become a straight woman.
1: And we're not just talking in trope either. This was something that came up. Uh, from the Stuff Mom Never Told You YouTube channel, I got a question about uh, from a lesbian of why do straight guys never believe me when I say that I'm a lesbian? Yeah, why, why do they need proof for that? And I talked about it on the show and got so many comments from so many other lesbians too saying that even if they are approached by a straight guy at a bar and they say, hey, thanks, no thanks, I'm a lesbian, even though thanks, no so thanks should, should suffice, That doesn't suffice. Mm -hmm. They don't really believe it. There is this assumption that that can happen. And for that reason, Lee Clara LaBerge, who's an assistant professor of gender studies at the University of Chicago, told Details Magazine, quote, for a straight guy, there's probably some disavowed sexual excitement. He knows perfectly well sex would never happen, but still. So it's not to say that these friendships don't and can't exist. But I do think that they are rarer, perhaps, because of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. A little bit of sexual baggage. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a post about this uh, at AfterEllen.com as well, of a lesbian asking the question of, like, why are we never the gay BFFs? <laughs> and in explaining it, she was like, one of the things she was saying was, well, I guess we don't really want to hang out with straight guys all the time, so... I don't know. That's one person's opinion.
5: Well, yeah. And in that same post, the blogger, Chloe, contends that part of it might just be that there's this stereotype of lesbians just being aggressive, that they're not your like glittery, cuddly unicorn, like stereotypical best gay guy friend.
1: Well, and it also reflects those studies that we cited earlier, looking at friendships in middle and high school and lesbians are likelier to uh, essentially like make friends with each other. They aren't necessarily as um, as likely to have those cross sex friendships.
5: Yeah. But jumping off of that, Tyler Curry writing at Huffington Post talks about the whole dynamic of gay boys and then eventually men and lesbian girls and women and talks about how. Early on in life, especially when you're younger, you're sort of pushed together because it's like, oh, well, you're gay. So just go be gay together. Yeah, Go go
1: in the gay corner. Yeah,
5: you're the others. So go be other together. And he talks about how it's like being different animals in the same cage. They're assumed to be natural allies when really it's more like fraternal
1: twins. You just don't have the same struggle. And ironically, of all of the cross-sex, cross-orientation combinations, the one that, at least in the research we did for the podcast, the one that seems to get the least amount of in-depth research is gay-lesbian friendships. There are actually stereotypes that they don't get along really at all.
5: Yeah, when really it's like, okay, we're fighting similar fights. It's not that they don't get along but it's just that it it is a different fight, and so we we automatically assume kind of in a stereotypical assuming fashion that um well, they must be best friends. It's like when Harry met Sally, it's like the perfect combination. it's men and women, but they want completely different things of course they should get along um but you know anecdote doesn't always bear that out to be true
1: yeah and even uh, even looking back at tv uh, one thing that jumped out to me when i was reading all this stuff was how on uh, the hbo show looking which is all about gay guys in San Francisco, the sort of token lady pal is straight. Mm-hmm. And she not only is straight, but is the ex-wife of one of the super dreamy uh, <laughs> gay guys. Um, there's, as far as I can remember, there has really been very little lesbian mm-hmm. interaction. But People who are better versed on looking, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but there was something that also jumped out in the book, A Companion to LGBTQ Studies. It said, quote, queer friendships between women and men disturb the mechanisms of homosocial cultures and force us to, quote, deconstruct the forms of relationality that are imposed upon them. So, in other words, maybe one of the reasons why we, there, there has been, at least so far, so little focus on those friendships is because they sort of defy all of the possible norms and maybe we're at a loss to like, well, how do, well, well then what do we? <laughs>
5: right it, yeah we're we're concerned that we won't be able to make a hit sitcom based off of that
1: yeah yeah i mean well and there's also too very little focus on uh straight simil- even less focus on straight women and lesbians friendships than on straight dudes and lesbians friendships probably because we as humans seem really obsessed with the concept of men and women being friends period
5: So now with all that we have talked about, about
1: friendship dynamics, sexual orientation,
5: romance, all of these things, I'm sure our listeners have so much to share with us. And I'm very curious to hear, have you been on the receiving end of being considered someone's pet? Have you been treated a certain way or dragged along on social escapades for a certain reason? Just because you're somebody's gay best friend
1: or gay husband? Or do you have one of those awesome, super healthy cross-sex, cross-orientation friendships that you cherish and you love and you are each other's people. Mm -hmm. We want to know all of your stories, good, bad, and ugly. And just one note about the whole gay best friend thing. I really hope that we are also to the point, sort of in what we were talking about with our episode on gay weddings, Mm -hmm. uh, gay best friend, that phrase, can just be shortened to just best friend.
0: Yeah. Right? Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Yeah.
1: So write to us. MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast.com and messages on Facebook and we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now
5: we have a couple letters here about consent um this one's from Jennifer she says love the podcast and I wanted to share something my parents did to teach us about the importance of consent as early as I remember when my dad and I or my sister and I would play fight or tickle as soon as anyone said stop or no we stopped I didn't realize how deliberate my parents were with this lesson until I started working with children who had been sexually abused. When I started, I mentioned to my parents how I remembered their rule. My mom told me that children are powerless enough. It's their parents' job to reinforce that even small children are in charge of their bodies and are worthy of respect for their decisions about their bodies. This, along with a comprehensive sex education from my mother, ensured that I felt empowered to make decisions about my sex life and ensured that I was the one friends came to with any embarrassing questions. So thank you, Jennifer.
1: And I've got a letter here from Kendra who writes, I just listened to your rape prevention nail polish episode and when you talked about the importance of teaching people the importance of getting and giving consent, especially when they're younger than college age, I had an interesting reaction. I have two sons and a daughter and my sons are 11 and 9. My daughter is 6. And my first thought was that my sons feel much too young to be having conversations with them about their role as men and about what it means to get consent from a sexual partner. But later that day, as I interacted with the five daycare children in my home, all ages three and younger, I realized how easy it is to teach and model those issues. All the kids, regardless of age and gender, get the same messages from me. You don't use your body to hurt anyone ever. It's okay to touch someone. They love giving hugs and kisses, but you should always ask first. And if they say no, that means no, because we're all the boss of our own body. Sex is a complicated issue, and when it comes to sexual violence, there's no easy way to talk about it. And I think there's a point at which kids are really too young to be having those conversations. But the underlying issues are easy to teach and easy to talk about. And if we do that, teaching that no means no and that you don't get to touch anyone who says no, maybe we can reduce the chances that anyone will need to be afraid. So thanks for that insight, Kendra, and I think that's fantastic advice. So if you have advice or anecdotes to send our way, momstuffathowstuffworks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media as well as all of our blogs, videos, and podcasts with our sources so you can read along, head on over to stuffmomnevertoldyou.com.